This is PhotoBizX, episode number 501, and today our special guest focuses on end-of-life pet photography. That's her specialty, and yes, we do explore the icky side of how this whole genre sounds. Our special guest is Angela Schneider, and I know you're going to love her and everything that she shares in today's episode. That's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, photographer, interviewer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview photographers and business experts from around the world to help you grow a better photography business even faster than if you were to go it alone. Our special guest, like I said earlier, is Angela Schneider, who focuses on end-of-life pet photography. And I was thinking while preparing the intro for this episode, if there's a chance you could apply what Angela shares to portrait photography and even as I'm saying it and thinking it it kind of doesn't sound right but it's also something that any family would treasure isn't it wouldn't we all love to have photos beautiful photos professional photos of our loved ones before they get too old before they pass away is it possible to market for that genre of photography in portraiture I'm not sure but I do know that Angela is doing this successfully for pet owners So stick around for that interview. It's coming up in just a minute. Before we do get into that interview with Angela, if you didn't catch last week's fun episode, episode 500, it was more of a celebration of the Photo Biz X podcast, and it featured recordings from fantastic premium members, their favorite episodes, some of their biggest takeaways, what they do while they're listening to the podcast, where they listen, and so much more. So get back and have a listen to episode 500 if you haven't had a chance. There probably aren't too many, well, there might be a few actual business takeaways, but certainly there are links to some of the best episodes that listeners have heard and profited from. So get back and have a listen, check out the show notes for episode 500 and go and explore the back catalogue of interviews that have made the biggest difference to some of the premium members who shared their favourites in the episode. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Now, one last thing, which should tie in perfectly with today's interview with Angela, is just last week, I recorded a live training session, a masterclass, if you will, with Kirsty McConnell for anyone looking to transition to pet photography. Now, I have to say, I tremendously undersold what Kirsty was going to be sharing in that training session. I... And the live attendees were blown away. This, I mean, I sold this based on what Kirsty told me. This was going to be designed for anyone that's already in business as a photographer that's looking to add pet photography to their business. So you could be a wedding or a portrait or a commercial photographer and you're looking to fill in some gaps. That's the way I presented the training. What Kirsty ended up delivering was a complete masterclass on pet photography. And when I say complete masterclass, like if you are a pet photographer in business, 
I can guarantee there will be a ton of takeaways from what Kirsty had to share. If you are considering photographing pets or you want to go full on into pet photography, you, like me, will be blown away by what Kirsty had to share. She went into all kinds of marketing that you can utilize to attract the best pet photography clients, which businesses to partner with. And I was totally off the mark. I photographed pets in the past and I partnered with vets. She told me exactly why that is the wrong thing to do, which businesses to partner with instead. Who make the best pet photography clients when you're starting out in your business particularly? And again, I was totally shocked when she shared this in the training because the type of pet owner she was referring to is a low income earner. But she shared why they are the best pet photography clients and why they will spend big with you even though they don't earn much in their day jobs. She talked about the language that we're using on our websites that are probably pushing potential pet photography clients away. She talked about photography gear, post-processing, which leads to use and how to teach the pet owner to actually hold the lead to make it easy for you to remove it in post-production, which dog treats you need to have on your sessions and why you need to have two kinds of dog treats, which poses sell, how to sell albums, what you need to be shooting to sell large wall art, how you should be pricing. I mean, this was, like I said, a complete masterclass and I totally undersold this to you in the lead up to the training. So what I've done with Kirsty's permission is kept the price at $97. It'll be at that price for the rest of this week. So it's going to be doubling after this week. So it's $97. You'll get access to the live recording and all the associated resources. So that's the audio only version. It's the downloads, the links, the resources, the slide deck, the example videos, anything and everything that Kirsty shared and supplied, it's all going to be there in that one spot. And it's available to you this week for $97. And of course, there is a 100% no questions asked money back guarantee. So if you are a pet photographer or you're thinking about pet photography and you're not sure whether this will be a good fit, well, go ahead and get it at the special price. Do the training, check it out. If it's not a good fit, just let me know and I'll refund you. I just, I'm so annoyed at myself for underselling this and not sharing, well, not knowing enough about what Kirsty was going to be sharing in the training because yeah, like I said, it was it was way, way more than I was expecting. Now you can learn more about it and register or sign up or get access over at photobizx.com forward slash learn pet photography. I've since changed the name of the course. It's now set up for success as a pet photographer. This definitely isn't just about transitioning into pet photography. This is how to get going and be successful right from the get-go. So photobizx.com forward slash learn pet photography if you're at all interested in that. And that 100% money back guarantee stands. Grab it this week at the special price. If it's not a good fit, whenever you get a chance to check it out, let me know and I'll happily refund you. Let's get into this interview with Angela and tackle the tricky subject of photographing end of life sessions for pet owners you're listening to the number one photography business podcast with andrew helmich photobizx.com oh just quickly if you are hearing this announcement it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast now what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with angela i am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only The good news is you can access the full interview for as little as $1 a 
with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I always had a hunch that one of the biggest markets for pet photographers are clients with older dogs. And anyone who owns or has owned a dog understands how they really are a part of our families and how important it is to feature them in photos. And today's guest has taken things to a whole new level and become a certified grief coach through her photography. She's launched a podcast, One Last Network, focused on helping dog owners honor the lives of their dogs before and after they pass. And in addition to her new projects, she's the photographer behind the business Big White Dog Photography, where she goes on adventures with dogs and their owners to capture their joy and bonds in the great outdoors. It was in her business that she realized one third of her clients were coming for end of life dog portraits, which is how and why she's now taking the direction she is. I'm talking about the adventure dog photographer, Angela Schneider, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Angela, welcome. Oh my God, you said such nice things about me. (laughs) I'm wrapped to be here. I have been dying to say that to you for years. I am wrapped to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm wrapped to have you with me right now. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your dog photography business first. So is that still your major focus or are you really moving away from that? No, absolutely not. You know, I just bought, I just kitted myself out with the Nikon Z9. And so if I were to give up photography, my husband would kill me. Because I was $12,000 USD. (laughs) No, absolutely. My passion lies in going out and seeing dogs in their natural element, which is, of course, Mother Nature's studio. It's just giving a dog their place in our world or a place in their own world is just so soul fulfilling to me. And after having a soul sucking career in marketing and communications, I can't stop doing dog photography. So what was the background market? Because I thought you were in um, journalism, weren't you, before photography? Yeah, I was. And I'm still kind of in it today. I started out as a young pup doing sports writing in Canada. And that's ultimately how I started to hone my photography skills too, because when you're a small town reporter, you have to do everything. So I had to write, shoot, develop my film, you know, make my PMTs, the whole nine yards. And I had set a goal to work at the Calgary Sun. That was my ultimate goal. And I did that at age 33, got there in 2003. Um, I didn't make my goal of becoming the first woman on an NHL beat, but (laughs) that's okay. I don't think I could have handled the travel because I really hate flying, (laughs) but I got laid off from journalism in 2006. And, you know, also in between there, I got my first big girl dog and he was amazing. He got me through breakups and job losses and, um, you know, We were living in inner city Calgary. I looked at him one day and I said, what do you need? What do you need from me? And, you know, he basically looked at me and he said, I need to be in the mountains. And we're only 45 minutes away from the Rockies. So what the hell? Let's go give it a shot. Let's get rid of the Mustang and get an SUV. Let's get rid of the high heels and and buy some hiking boots. And and, uh, yeah, we would spend every other weekend in the mountains. And I got there and... I was standing at the top of this little hill in Banff and, you know, I'm looking out at the Bow Valley below me 
and I don't have a camera in my hand. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I dropped my first F-bomb. Anybody who knows me and is listening has been waiting for that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so that year I went out and with my Christmas bonus, I bought my Nikon D40. I made the jump into digital and haven't stopped taking pictures since. And some point along the way, people said, you need to just be taking pictures of dogs because that's where your heart is. That's, you know, and I didn't get there until 2000. What It's been five years now. I've been in business for five years, 2017. You know, I went through marketing and communications career and I met a boy. I moved to Spokane, Washington and got married and I thought I was going to resurrect my career here. And uh, I got a full-time job in marketing for a tech company. And it was one of the most miserable things I've ever done in my life. Um, the day that I walked out of the office and flipped off my boss was one of the greatest days that I've ever lived. Um, <laughs> And I came home and said, yeah, it's time to do that. It's time to do the dog photography thing. And of course, that that boy that had got me back into photography died in 2014. And um, in the days after he passed, all I wanted was pictures of him and me together. And all I had was stupid selfies from my cell phones. And I asked a few people on Facebook if they had any. And of course, being a landscape photographer in Calgary, you know, just a hobbyist, I hung out with other photographers and some people had sneakily taken pictures of me and shot together and they posted it. And I have those and they touch my heart so much, but they're not that great. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're not done by a professional. And that's what I wanted to do for people. I wanted to make sure that they had beautiful photos of themselves with their dogs doing the things that they love to do together. And that's how, um, you know, I started out as noses and toes photography, which is a stupid name now. Um, <laughs> but that's where big white dog photography was born. Fantastic. Let me take it back a little bit, Angela, because you said when you're in your journalist days, I think you said you had to submit or hand in your PMTs. What's that? Because when a woman says PMT to me, I'm thinking of something different. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to look it up. Hang on. It is. Oh my gosh. They're like photo prints, but they have this dot overlay on them to make them look better on newsprint. Basically. I can't remember. It's something mechanical transfer. Right. Okay. So it's a photographic thing that you do as a print journalist. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Awesome. Because you're saying I had to hand in my PMTs. Like, oh. You know, in marketing, it's like, don't use jargon. Don't use jargon. And I just use jargon. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so big white dog photography was born. Yes. So that was born. Was that created or born after you had moved to Spokane and you were married? Yeah. I bounced around a lot in the last couple of years of my marketing and communications career in Canada. I went from Calgary to British Columbia and while I was living in Kelowna and writing websites about job search, I knew I was moving to Spokane. I was engaged. I was just waiting for the visa process to go through. And I started researching careers around dogs in Spokane and, and what I could do, but I wasn't really ready to make the jump. And I thought about doing a dog walking business that could evolve into a dog photography business. So I was doing my market research while I was living in Kelowna, but 
Um, I came to the States on a K-1 visa for fiancés. I'm a 90-day fiancé. It's a lot less boring than the TV show, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't allowed to work at all for six months. So I planned. I planned. I dreamed. I thought of things to do. Okay. So you had the freedom and the luxury at that point, luxury in inverted commas, or quotes, to plan out this new business. Mm -hmm. Basically, yeah. But, you know, having been an employee for my entire life, um, that's hard to break away from. You know, it's hard to make the jump and say, I'm going to rely on me and no one else and get all the facets of a business together. You know, the marketing, the accounting, the bookkeeping, all of it. Um, I'm still not, as we talked right before you hit record, I'm, I'm a control freak. So I haven't even outsourced my accounting yet. <laughs> still do my own taxes. It's probably a bad idea. But yeah, it just ended up having to be one of those moments where jump out of that frying pan and into the fire. See what happens. What the hell? And I did have the luxury of relying on my husband to take care of things, you know, and allowing me to fly. Yeah. So after that six month period, do you get a letter or something from or an email from the US government saying, okay, Angela, you can work now? Or is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. The first step you take after you immigrate is to get your work authorization. And shortly after that, you can have your first green card, which is temporary. I think it was two years and then you have to keep renewing it. But I got tired of that because it's also a money racket. It's like almost a thousand dollars every time you have to do something, if not more by now. But I got my citizenship in 2018. Right. So then you no longer need a green card to work. Right. I'm a full fledged American. I can do whatever Americans can do except for be president. And nobody would want that anyway. (laughs) Nice. Nice. So let's just jump forward to today. Can you give us a snapshot of your business? Like what's revenue like? Where's it coming from today? And then I'm going to go back and just sort of fill in some gaps. Oh, yeah. I have the last two years been doing the fundraiser books in the style of Caitlin McCall's Tales of the World. I didn't purchase her package. I've just been figuring it out on my own. You know, I've been in publishing my entire life. So why the hell not? And, you know, I started out last year doubling my average sale price from 600 to 1500 <laughs> you know we all start somewhere $600 average sale was pretty good 3 years ago for me absolutely <laughs> and now my average sale is is starting to nudge up towards 2500 3000 which I'm really happy about and just recently I hit my sales goal for the year at uh, 61 in gross sales And I'm not too, you know, I don't put a lot of pressure on myself about the money because it's not that this is a part-time business or a hobby business, but I have other irons in the fire now that I want to (laughs) focus some energies on. Right. Meaning what? (laughs) What irons in what fires? Well, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I am still in the journalism business. I work... 30 hours a week at the local newspaper as a copy editor, uh, saving the world from typos and uh, grammatical errors. <laughs> and of course, I've started to develop One Last Network, which is a podcast dedicated to helping pet guardians through the stages of their pets aging and 
ultimately leaving our world. And along with that, on the back end, I am teaching pet photographers how to be a better support service for their clients who come to them in the anticipatory grief stages of their pets' lives. Got it. Okay. So you almost or close to have a full-time job doing your, is it called copy editing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then you have the additional income from the pet photography business. So do you do that because it's too difficult to make the pet photography, you know, pay full-time wages, uh, you know, if you put in those hours or you know, why do you do both? Because I love it. Okay, great. <laughs> I was born a journalist and the newsroom is where I belong. You know, I grew up in a newsroom. I love being in a newsroom. I haven't been in a newsroom in two some years because they sent us all home to work remote because of the pandemic. But we have other ways, of course, of communicating. And I just love the work that I do. And I believe in the journalism that our newspaper does. And I don't, I'm not ready to leave that part of my life behind. Got it. So if you love that, obviously, it's obviously you do. And you also love the photography, but now you're starting one last network. You become a grief counselor. So does something have to give somewhere or do you just keep piling on these hours? <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just start piling on more hours and my husband thinks I'm crazy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of time management learning that I'm doing about it. Yeah, 30 hours a week, I'm here at my desk and, you know, working for the newspaper. And then I'm probably giving another 30 hours to Big White Dog. And then one last network is probably somewhere between 10 and 15 hours a week. Wow. Okay. So it's keeping you busy. Yeah. But I love it. Oh, that's good. I cannot be idle. I can't. <laughs> you know, I'm that type of person that I'll wake up at one o'clock in the morning and go, <gasps> idea. What do I do with that? Let's go do something with that. <laughs> so good. I can relate to that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I said in the intro that I had a, a hunch that one of the biggest markets for pet photographers are clients with older dogs. And I'm starting to see, and it's probably been around for a while, but I'm certainly noticing more and more photographers targeting you know, clients with older dogs to photograph end-of-life sessions. Right. Like, do you feel guilty about doing that at all? Or should photographers feel guilty about doing that? Or is that just a a great marketing avenue? Well, you know, that's a great question. Several months ago, I was accused of profiting off my client's grief. And my answer to something like that is, well, do funeral directors profit off our grief when our parents die? Or do florists profit off furnishing the wake houses when people die? Do the vets profit off grief when they're having to put a dog down? I mean, I suppose you could look at it that way, but there are certainly businesses out there that alleviate a lot of the tasks that we have as humans around death and loss and grief. And I am providing a service to someone to ensure that they have beautiful memories, a legacy of beautiful memories of their time with their dog. Would I prefer that people come to me on gotcha day or puppy day or first birthday, do cake smash parties and all of the things that you do with your children? Yeah. But there's something 
so beautiful about the bond we develop with our pets. And I speak specifically about dogs. Um, I've maybe had two cats in front of my camera, not a cat person. I've done goats and horses and pigs, but you know, my expertise lies in dogs. So if I say dog instead of pet, you know, I mean, everybody. That's why. Yeah. And of course, women and their dogs is something so otherworldly special too. And to see the bond that they develop and the absolute love that is surrounded by the pain and knowledge that their dog's life is coming to an end soon. It's an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. And people understand when they come to people like me, they understand what's happening. They understand it's a fiduciary relationship, just like it is when you have to hand over your credit card to put your dog down or buy a beautiful urn or, you know, so it's just, it's just part of it. Sure. Who was the person that made the accusations that, you know, you're profiteering from people in grief? Oh, just some rando on Facebook. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like the daughter of a pet owner that you photographed and, and had a $3,000 sale with. <laughs> no, it was just some rando on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of this, you know, I've been hesitant to talk about this, but a lot of this came to fruition because a young gal on the East Coast of the States was doing similar shoots for her friends and family. And she went viral on TikTok. And she's built a bit of a community, a bit. You know, she has several hundred photographers around the world in her community. And they all go out and they do it for free. And it disrupted our industry in a bit of a way. Um, my friends, it hasn't really affected me as much out on the West Coast, but my friends who are on the East Coast they were starting to get inquiries from people who were familiar with this movement. And when my friends told them how much it was going to cost them, they either got ghosted or the potential clients were being really rude and reactive to the numbers. And how dare you? How dare you want this much money? Angela, just let me ask you. So with this TikTok photographer and her uh, cohort are they offering a free session to owners of dogs at, at the end of their life and giving everything for free or is, is it a like a promo where hey we'll come out and do a free session and a free print you know like a facebook ad and then charge for the rest no it's not a business strategy at all they just show up and they hand over all the digitals for free well i mean <laughs> i mean you can't do that forever and have a sustainable business Oh, well, you know, and some of these people aren't even in business. They just have cameras and they want to do this as a community service. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So their photos aren't going to look like a professional photographer's photos either. Bingo. You know, and if you're trying to do that as a business strategy, you're going to head into burnout really quickly too. You know that. So, you know, my friends and I met over Zoom and we tried to find a way to combat what was happening and it's very much about educating people. You know, pet photography still isn't a thing. We still have a lot of education to do around pet photography and why people should have it done. So we had that little meeting and we came up with ways to, you know, enhance our websites. And my brain started to work 
because I wasn't happy enough. I didn't think we were doing enough still. And then um, here's where the tears might start. Um, My mom died. And it threw my whole world into a bit of a tailspin. And uh, I, uh, I had to put everything down for about a month, just walk away from everything. And I took my Bella, my, my beautiful eight-year-old Marama sheepdog, up into the woods. And I had, I had already talked to a few people about trying to help them with their podcasts, maybe do a couple of episodes here and there and talking to other pet photographers about their why, why they do this, why senior pet and rainbow bridge sessions are so important, that kind of thing. And I was up in the middle of the woods and it just hit me. I was like, you walked away from your full-time marketing and communications job with the idea in your head that you were never going to work for anyone else again, that you were only going to work for yourself. Stop building other people's dreams, build your own. And I said, I'm going to start my own friggin' podcast. (laughs) and Bella looked at me and she's like, you're fucking nuts. And I'm like, I know, (sighs) but, uh, and then I started to think, but is a podcast enough? What else is there? You know, it just doesn't seem like enough. And how do I get pet photographers on board with this? And Oh my God, I could teach them. I could help other pet photographers on the back end by teaching them how to improve the content because I've been a writer my entire life and, you know, I build websites, I do SEO, all of it. I said, what if I started to help pet photographers build better content that targeted the clients we want to reach? And then I had a coaching call with Heather Lottman and I went over all of the things that I was thinking about. And she said to me, what if you became a grief coach? And then started teaching pet photographers how to be grief support for their clients. Holy shit. That's where it all ties together. So I have spent now I'm up to about $3,500 in training on learning how to be a grief coach and a pet loss grief companion. And I am now delivering my own training to pet photographers on how to be a better support service for their clients. And it's as simple, Andrew, as just listening to people, letting them tell their story, knowing the right things to say, knowing what not to say. I want to throw it out there that if anybody ever said, it's just a dog, go punch yourself in the face. (laughs) I don't think any listeners would be thinking or saying things like that. Right? You would expect that. Or, you know, another one is, well, don't worry about it. You can always go get another dog. Wow, rude. Of course. You know, but those are some of the things we talk about and how we can help our clients handle when other people say those things to them. Right. I love this. So instead of going back to your own websites and the photographers in your networking, instead of going back to each of your own website and ridiculing the services of this other group, Mm. 
Instead, you offer some more support, you show how you differ and how you can make your client's lives better by coming to see you instead of just getting a free session. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny about what you just said, you know, that the other group, um, I had a very specific epiphany about that a few months ago. I encountered a pet loss grief specialist who told me to stop doing what I was doing because I didn't know enough. I wasn't well trained enough, even though I have studied now under three of the top grief experts in the United States. So you were stepping on someone else's toes by stepping outside of your arena as a photographer. Bingo. Bingo. And oh. and it struck me because, you know, having had a 15-year marketing and communications career, I embraced social media so much when it first came out. Um 2007, you know, was when I launched my Twitter account. I think. And then in 2010, two other friends in Calgary and I organized a fundraiser for the Red Cross after the earthquakes in Haiti. And we used just Twitter to get people excited about an event. And we ended up raising $100,000. So I understand disruption in industry. You know, I, I believe disruption in industry is how we make our own industry better. It forces us to look at what we're doing and find new different ways to do it. And so that other group disrupted my industry. I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. But so many months later, now seeing that I am disrupting the pet loss grief specialist, the industry, by doing what I'm doing, I can look at her and go, you go get it, girl. You do what you need to do. <laughs> She's helping people in her way. And that is freaking fantastic because there are people out there who don't want to spend three and four thousand dollars on people like me. And that's fine. They still need photos. That's great. And I am now disrupting an industry of my own. And that's just how things work. And it has made me a better business person by recognizing that she's disrupting my industry. Here's how I'm managing that or my own industry to make my own industry better. Mm -hmm. Did you actually speak to the person who's the grief counselor or did you have an exchange of emails or you know, was it just a comment? Yeah, it was, it was an exchange of emails. She has her own pet loss grief certification course. And I was asking, you know, I was poking around seeing if I was a good, if it was worth my time, right? you know, but I'm very happily certified as a pet loss grief companion under Colleen Ellis and Two Hearts Pet Loss Center. And that's about enough for me as far as pet loss grief certification is concerned. She's fantastic. She was on just the last episode of my podcast. And I'm currently now studying under David Kessler, who is a world-renowned author on grief. So yeah, I don't think you'll be able to touch me as far as <laughs> grief coaching is concerned once I'm finished with that. So when you had that email exchange with the other grief counselor or the person running the course, did you say what you said to me, a listener, you, know, you go get them, girl, you do what's right for you and your business. I understand that I'm disrupting things, but hey, that's business. Like, Was that the sort of the gist of the conversation? And if, if so, how did she take it? Uh, no, every time I emailed her to try to put my point across, she emailed me back the same thing about stopping what I'm doing. So eventually I just, I hit reply and said, piss off. 
<laughs> right, and that was the last you heard. Don't email me again. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Also, you're not welcome on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take you back to something that you said earlier, just away from the grief counseling for the moment. You said that you know your average sale, I think, a year or two ago was six hundred dollars, and you know now you're hitting sales of two and three thousand dollars. What are you doing differently? Valuing my art. So is your art better? Oh, for yeah. Oh, yeah. The amount of shooting I've been doing the last couple of years, I had no choice but to get better. Um, <laughs> as those damn books. <laughs> if, I, if I do another one, somebody just kick me right in the head. Um, there's so much work. Holy crap. But yeah, the amount of shooting I've been doing, my work is is through the roof as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't win any competitions, but I'm okay with that because that's not what it's about for me. But uh, yeah, valuing my work and pricing my products accordingly and understanding my market. And, you know, really the next step now for me, as far as maybe getting my average sale up to four or five is to find the right clients, the right clients for the four and $5,000 sale. And I'm also looking at expanding my geographical reach as well. Sure. So back to the two and $3,000 sales. Mm -hmm. So really the photography hadn't changed. I mean, you're producing good work before. So really, and you started valuing your work more. So really it sounds like the only physical thing that changed is your price list. Yeah, honestly. You just put your prices up. That was it. You know what? I can look at the work that I did three or four years ago and go, that was shit. Sure. I mean, we can all do that and say that. <laughs> right. Especially in the early days. But it was good enough. Yes. It was good enough for six and six hundred dollar sales for sure. Do you think you could have sold that work for three and four thousand dollars or two and three thousand dollars? That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe. If I was marketing correctly, finding the right client, maybe. I wouldn't have felt good about it. Okay. All right. So you're at a point now where you're comfortably you know, getting two and $3,000 sales. Your work is where you want it to be. You can see the value in it. How do you find those clients? Are these coming from uh, book projects clients? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Yeah, yeah, true. Well said. I've had a ball hearing your story, uh, getting your emails and, and chatting to you today. Where's the best place for the listener to learn more about you and what you're doing and your podcast? Where's the best place or places? Oh, well, you can check out bigwhitedogphotography.com and all of the socials are Big White Dog Photography to be very jealous of the locations that I get to take clients to. And don't come into my backyard. I will cut you. Um <laughs> <laughs> You just finished saying you go for it. If you want to follow me, <laughs> you said you go for it. My community over competition has limits. Um, <laughs> uh, One Last Network is on all of the podcast places. Yeah, my lingo is is still not podcasty yet, but we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, and it's all just One Last Network. And of course, the website, onelastnetwork.com and our socials too. 
Awesome. Angela, I'll add links to all those anyway so the listener can easily find them. Massive thanks for coming on, sharing what you have. I'm sure there's going to be questions and follow-up things uh, happening inside the members' Facebook group. So again, massive thanks for coming on. Have a great Christmas. This might go live after Christmas, but I hope you have a fantastic Christmas and New Year and um, I'll, I'll be sure to be chatting to you between now and then as well. Sounds good. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Angela as much as I did. Angela, if you are listening, thank you again so much for your fantastic email exchanges, for everything you shared in today's episode, and for going into all the details that you did. So again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing what you have. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Angela had to share. If you do have a follow-up question, if you want to dive deeper into these end-of-life pet photography sessions if you want to have a discussion around that topic whether it's ethical or not even though we did discuss it in the episode feel free to hit Angela up you can do that in the comments area of the show notes and this week they are at photobizx.com forward slash 501 in the show notes you'll find links to anything and everything that Angela mentioned Plus, you'll find examples of her fantastic work. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, you'll find Angela inside the members Facebook group if you want to continue the discussion there. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Linda and I are packing up in a couple of days for a sneaky getaway over to Thailand. So next week's episode will be coming to you from an area called I want to say Hua Hin, but I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. It's south of Bangkok. It looks beautiful. And we're looking forward to getting over there and kicking back for a week or so. So I'm hoping with the time differences that the episode next week will come out at the regular time. But if it's a few hours here or there, you'll know exactly why. Big thanks again to Angela for coming on and sharing everything she did. Don't forget to check out the training by Kirsty McConnell set up for success and profit fast as a pet photographer there are more details about that at photobizx.com forward slash learn pet photography and next week and the week after we have some totally different episodes i'm pretty sure next week's episode and guests will shake things up for you no matter what genre of photography you shoot so stick around well actually don't stick around because it's a week away look out for that one when it drops next week All right, until then, stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 